Welcome to the Gingsberg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsberg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsberg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Hey, how how's everybody doing? I'm Pastor Dennis. Yeah, good to hear from you back in the back there. Welcome to the first Sunday of November. Today we wrap up our series Blessed. I pray that this series has been a really great encouragement to you as you have learned that we are blessed to be a blessing. It's on days like this on dedication Sundays I'm mindful of a cartoon that I saw several years ago. It depicted a woman in a traditional church sanctuary sitting on a church pew. Do you know what a church pew is? It's a long wooden bench. Her husband is not sitting with her. He's hiding underneath the pew and she is saying, "You can come out now. The offering is over." <laughs> Perhaps you have some friends that's been staying away the last few weeks as we've been looking at God's view of finances and how we are blessed. I want to invite you to encourage them to come back. Next week we're starting a brand new Uh, teaching and then we'll be going into Thanksgiving and then in the holidays have a lot of exciting things but seriously I pray that this message series has been beneficial to you I know it's been for me and for the kingdom Today we're wrapping things up with a very simple message I've got four points I pray that you can remember those and apply them to your lives and to your hearts today as we're looking at blessing God's work through the life of the local church I've got a message that says four ways that we can enjoy the offering we take an offering every week it's part of our worship it's who we are we don't um make excuses about it because we are a giving people our theme here is we love Jesus and do something about it it's more than just coming together and singing kumbaya we actually believe this stuff and we believe that Jesus is the hope for the world and we offer the community in the world Christ and i am just so grateful that i can be part of that and so we take an offering every single week and today i want to share four ways in which we can enjoy that part of the service number 1 give willingly give willingly have you ever found yourself inside saying you know i just don't like this part of the service You need to know that giving is not a have to, it's a get to. It's a time that we can say you mean I get to participate in the work of God around the world? What a privilege. What an honor. In fact, our scripture today is taken from 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Turn there, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Here, the apostle Paul is addressing Christians in the roman city of corinth and he is talking in these chapters about a group of jesus followers that live in the region of macedonia and he's saying although they are extremely poor they are down and out they don't have much god moved upon their heart with rich generosity when they heard about the need of believers in jerusalem that out of their poverty being moved by the love of Christ they gave a gift towards these other Jesus followers it 
it wasn't something they had to do. It wasn't something that came about because the Apostle Paul or others were twisting their arms. It was something they wanted to do. It was all about the heart. In fact, in chapter 8, verse 12, check this out. He says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So again, it's about a willing heart. And that's why around this place, especially if you're new, hear this, that we don't do a lot of arm twisting, meaning that you're never going to have Pastor Dennis show up at your door and say, I'm here to collect your membership dues. <laughs> I may show up at your door for something else, especially if you have a piece of hot apple pie with a little vanilla bean ice cream on the side, hint, hint, for the future, preach it. But you're not going to get a call from me over the next couple of weeks and say, why don't you give more? That's not going to happen. I thought in saying that, some of you would say amen. <laughs> because it's all about a willing heart. And if it doesn't come from the heart, it doesn't count as much. Let's read together Paul's words in the next chapter, chapter 9, verse 7. Let's read together so I won't feel all alone up here. Everyone must make up his mind as to how much he should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to. For cheerful givers are the ones that God prizes. So right there, it's saying even to Pastor Dennis, don't force anyone to give more than he or she really wants to. Because the truth of the matter is that God really just wants our hearts. He doesn't want our money. You know why? Because it's already his. He owns it all. A cattle on a thousand hills is the Lord's. The earth is the, is the Lord's and all that is within it. God really owns it all. All we are are stewards. We are trustees for a period of time. That land that you own in Miami County, in Dark County, in Clark County, in Montgomery County, Someone owned it before you. And let me remind you that when you pass, someone else will own it. You are just a steward. The earth is owned by the Lord's. So God just really wants our heart. He wants our attitude. He wants to know that we are his. So when you give, give willingly. Give willingly. Don't, don't say, I've got to go to church and pay my dues because somebody's going to be upset if I don't. No, give willingly. Number two, give generously. Give generously. The biblical model in the Old Testament for the standard of giving was the tithe, 10% of one's income. There's also the phrase used over and over again called first fruits. An entire Jewish festival was donated to first fruits giving, that we are to give God not our leftovers, but the first portion of our crops, the first portion of our income to God to acknowledge before I spend it on anything else, I'm acknowledging God that not just 10%, but all 100% is from you. And I give a portion to you for your work. Tithing was a fundamental way that God fueled the ministry. Uh, bring your tithes into the storehouse, Malachi, the prophet said, that there may be food in my house and plenty for all. And so I like the saying, you know, tithing was actually the way that God intended for ministry to happen before church bingo. 
That'll sink in here in a minute. Actually, I think it just grieves the heart of God when churches struggle over finances so much they've got to resort to things like spaghetti dinners and bake sales and car washes and Vegas nights to fund their ministry. There's nothing wrong with those in themselves, but Lord has given us a way. It's simply by moving upon the hearts of the people just to trust Him. Believe it enough that we don't have to just say, I'm going to pull it all from outside resources to to benefit us. No, it's coming from the body. It's coming from within. If we would just obey him and trust him and believe him. I love stories about tithing. Let me share a few to lighten it up a little bit. (laughs) Heard about a guy. He was quite wealthy. Had a big income. He came to the Lord. He was greatly in debt. For all that the Lord, we know there's no way that we can repay the God. But he wanted to give. Then he learned about this Old Testament, New Testament principle of tithing. He said, wow, wait a minute. I don't know what I'm going to do here. That's that's a lot, lot, lot of money. So he went to his pastor. He wanted counsel. And he said, pastor, you know, I'm a very wealthy person. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm really struggling with this whole thing of a tithe. I made $500,000 last year. That's a lot of money. And I started doing my math. You know, a tithe would be 10% of that $50,000. I cannot afford with my mortgage, with my car payments, with my responsibilities. I cannot afford a tithe. Would you pray for me, pastor? I don't know what to do. The pastor said, well, I'll always pray for you. Let's pray right now. So he began to pray and he says, Lord, thank you that you've blessed this man with abundance. And we're asking right now in the name of Jesus that you will reduce his income so he will be able to afford to give. <laughs> I love that. But I love this story better. Do you hear about this guy who... He actually won the lottery. He didn't know it yet. It was in those early hours, but his wife found out first that she was really concerned about him hearing it because he had a heart condition. She thought, no way can he handle this news. It was too much, too good news. And so she knew that he loved his pastor, trusted his pastor. And so she went quickly to the pastor and said, would you come over to the house We just won the lottery and you know that Harold has a heart condition and he loves you. Would you gently break the news to him? He said, I'd be happy to do that. And so he's thinking on the way over, how can I do it? He said he'd just do it through casual conversation. They started talking outside the house and they were just talking about a few things at church. And he just happened to say, you know, I just heard about people winning the lottery. Harold, what would you do if you won the lottery? Let's say, for instance, just with a sense of laugh and conversation, you won $2 million. What would you do? Harold thought about it for a minute and he said, you know, I know the first thing I would do, I would give half of it to the church. (laughs) Hearing that, the pastor had a heart attack. (laughs) Seriously, giving is a matter of the heart. Let's look together Again, at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul was writing about the churches in Macedonia, these, these people who are struggling with poverty. And here's what he says. I love this. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. Underline that. They did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gift 
for the Christians in Jerusalem. Did you catch that? They begged Paul that they could participate in this project. They longed to do it. They, they wanted to do it. It reminds me in the book of Exodus, there's a time in which Moses is leading the people to build a house of worship. And Moses came to the place where he had to say, stop, quit giving. You've given too much. Don't give anymore. Can you imagine if Pastor Dennis stood up and said to Gingsburg Church, stop, quit giving. Keep it all. Don't do it. Believe me, it'll never happen here. <laughs> I hope it will. Give generously. Give generously. One more thing we're going to do just to practice that. I think it's good to practice. We're going to take another offering right now. And so we can practice giving generously. Would you reach over to your neighbor, take their person wallet, and give like you've never wanted to give before? <laughs> I love that. Good to come to church and smile, right? Laugh. I'm just grateful for so many generous people. We have so many in our church. Thank you. Let's hear from two generous people that can teach us about uh, the ways in which God has touched their heart in this area. Dan Bracken, our director of communication and one of our servant leaders, Jim Taylor, as they sat in the coffee shop just this week and they shared a little bit about why they give. Jim, thanks for, for sitting down with me. You're the, you're the former owner of Troy Ford. Uh, you've been at Gingensburg Church since 1990, right? So a long time. Uh, you and I got to know each other in Jamaica back in 2008 when we traveled there together. So thanks for sitting down with me today talking about generosity. And I immediately thought of when you got back from Sudan, a trip to Sudan uh, related to our miracle offering in the Sudan project back in 2004, 2005. Right. Uh, where you were um, motivated to sell a truck and give that money to the Sudan project. Right. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. There was a lot of sickness. The people really needed clean water. The people were drinking out of the troughs at the cattle. Just, it looked like dirty river water, uh, that their health would never improve. So the miracle offering for 2005 was more seed and start drilling wells. Flying back on a plane from Sudan, I, I was thinking even at that time, you know, how many families could I serve if I had the money? And when I got back home, I knew from what I had seen, all the hope that we had given to the people. You, you could just see it in the people's demeanor, their, their faces, the, how much hope they had. And uh, I knew that I had to support them in a, a bigger way than I originally thought, but at the time I had no money. I had no cash to do what I wanted to do. A couple days later, I walked into my barn and bingo, there's my 29 Ford pickup truck. I mean, instantly sedan popped into my mind. I saw that truck and I said, uh, I'm selling the truck and give the money to the sedan. And it was just a, 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 just a feeling that I just, you know, just can't describe really how satisfied I was with what I was able to do that. What is it about seeing hope in their face that motivates you? You just see it, you know it's there and you know you want to be part of that. And you, you know that you're doing something that, that uh, is saving lives. But I think 
we can see hope in, in the people we're serving right here also. Because as you know, there's people, there's homeless people, there's people that need counseling. That's a big thing, they need counseling. They need more food. I mean, the United States, uh, this area, Miami Valley, Tip City, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio has unique needs. Uh, and so speak more broadly about um, what excites you about serving people here locally. We, we, need to we need to take care of our neighbors. I mean, not that we want to desert all of the other countries because we don't, but we really need to listen to our neighbors and their needs. What have you learned through the miracle offering that could be applied to uh, weekly giving? Like why tithe, I guess, is the, is the question. Uh, why commit to regular giving to the church, not just special opportunities as they come about, like the miracle offering each Christmas? I do believe in tithing. I think it's really important. And I also believe in going beyond the tithe to support stuff. That's when you're, you know, as a person, you become satisfied with, with what you're doing. Well, I think somebody said, I think it was Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that. I mean, you, you, you feel a lot better when you do that. Amen. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Stan. So number one, give willingly. Number two, give generously. Number three, give joyfully. Give joyfully. Let's look back. 2 Corinthians, again, chapter 9, verse 7, a verse that many of us have heard often. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Who does God love? A grumpy giver? <laughs> An angry giver? A giver that simply gives out of duty? Oh, I've got to go pay my dues. No. It says God loves a happy giver. God loves a gracious giver. God loves a cheerful giver. All of us love to give gifts, especially at Christmas time. As we get older, we like to give gifts perhaps more than we like to receive gifts. Now, can you imagine that if I went to my wife, Rachel, this Christmas, and I throw this gift into her face and say, well, here it is. You better be happy. I knew you'd be ticked off if you didn't get anything this year. It sure costs me a lot. You better enjoy it. She'd just fall into my arms, right, in love. No, she probably wouldn't appreciate it too much. You know, can you remember when you started giving gifts to others instead of just receiving gifts? Think about it during the holidays. When I remember when I finally was able to give a gift to my parents from money that I had made myself. And even though that it might not have been the greatest or biggest gift around the tree that Christmas, I could not wait until they opened this gift because it came from the heart. Many of you have that joy when you watch your children open up gifts or your grandchildren. There's something about it that brings joy. God is a happy God. God is a God of joy, and God desires us to come to him with joy and happiness and a willingness to give from the heart. So give joyfully. And finally, this, give lovingly. Give lovingly. Give out of love. John chapter 12 records a time when Jesus is at a dinner party, 
all these important people are surrounding him. And to their surprise, in walked a woman who was not invited, a woman who had recently received grace, a woman who had recently repented of her sins, a woman who had been touched by Jesus. She was overwhelmed by the love of God. She came into the room carrying a very expensive jar of perfume. What was she going to do? She's out of line, some thought. Many of the people around watched her as she walked up to Jesus. And then she began, to the shock of many, taking that perfume, that very expensive bottle, and pouring that perfume out on Jesus' feet and washing his feet as an act of worship. Some of this has a ring to it. If you were here last Sunday, you remember the story from 2 Samuel chapter 23 where King David longed for a jar of water, precious water from the spring of Bethlehem that he could not have. But out of love, his supporters broke through enemy lines to get that water. We talked about this last week. And when he finally got this very expensive gift, this thing that he longed for, he poured it out instead to the Lord as an act of worship. And she poured out this expensive perfume to Jesus. Why would she do something like that? And I think as she was making her way out of the room, if someone caught her and asked the question, why? Why would you waste that? Why would you give that gift to Jesus? I think she would have said something like, love made me do it. Love made me do it. Simply love made me do it. There's another passage in the Bible about a widow who made her way behind the scenes to the temple treasury. Others were putting in their tithes and offerings and big gifts, and she was kind of one of those nobodies as she made her way in the shadows. And she, when no one else was looking, pulled out two small coins and dropped them into the temple treasury only to try to scurry away, but it was all that she had. And in her humility, she walked away. And I think if someone would have caught her and said, why? Why did you give this gift that didn't seem like a lot to the world, but it was what you had? Don't be surprised if she would have answered, love made me do it. Love made me do it. Love made me do it. Ingsburg Church, we come here week after week. One of my prayers for this church is God would continue to grow us up. That each and every one of us, member, non-member, doesn't matter. That we would continue to grow into the likeness of Christ. That we would, even in this area, we would move beyond simply duty giving. We would move beyond grudge giving or here's the pastor talking about money again. We'd move beyond that. We'd move beyond that, first of all, to willingness because we want to, not because we have to. And we'd move even beyond that to generosity. And then we would take another step and when we would do it, we'd simply do it 
with happiness and joy that we can bless others around the world, but also here in Miami County. And then we wouldn't stop there. We would move to the place of love. The love of God in Christ. There's no way that we can repay God when we come here and we look at the bread and the juice that remind us of the broken body and the shed blood. There's no way that we can repay that but simply out of love. Because this is for sure. Someday all of us are going to stand before Jesus someday. And when we stand and behold his majesty, when we look at his nail prints in the hands and in his feet and his scar on the side, we're going to be overwhelmed. We're going to be humbled. And we're going to cry out, why, Jesus? Why would you do it for a sinner like me? And if that's what we say, don't be surprised to hear him say to us, love made me do it. I just love you that much. Love made me do it. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. And I pray for those still inquiring about the Christian faith, that these moments here would be overwhelming for them that they would get a sense of the love of God manifested in the person of Jesus Christ who went to the cross on behalf of sinners. And may seekers all over this room right now admit their sin and take that step of faith and open up their lives to Jesus Christ and say, if love made you do it, I receive it. I turn, I repent of my sins and I open up my heart to the risen Christ today. God, may that happen all over the room. May that happen at Fort McKinley today. May that happen online today, all over the world as the Spirit moves. And then, Lord, for those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, grow us up through duty giving, through self-interest, through gratitude, to the point of obedience and love. Sweep over this church, we pray. Make it shine brightly for our community and our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.